0: All your base are belong to us.
1: Right. Hello. Hello. Wow. Hello. 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 <laughs> Hello. Hello. Welcome to Fake Geek Girls, a podcast looking at nerdy pop culture from a fan and critical perspective, encouraging the things we love to do better. I'm Missy, I'm a writer, and I would like to make the bold statement that Gretchen Wieners is the funniest character in Mean Girls by a long shot. I'm Mary, I'm an online marker, and I'm a cool mom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not a mom but
0: um do, do you know how much of that movie is quotable just and everyone knows what it is. like i would say a good like not even exaggerating like half of the movie if you put them all together is like mm. quotes that you can just quote and people will know
1: and like some of them you don't even realize what they're from they're yeah they just become parts of speech
0: yeah so it's so wild like mm-hmm. um Yeah, so like
1: some sometimes like the quotes are just even bigger than the movie. Yeah, for sure, it's wild. Um, Mean Girls is a 2004 comedy film written by Tina Fey, directed by Mark Waters, based on the nonfiction sort of self help book for parents, uh, Queen Bees and Wannabes by Rosalind Wiseman. Uh, The story follows Katie Heron the daughter to two researchers who have been homeschooling her in Africa. After the family moves back to the U.S. and Katie gets enrolled in a normal high school for the first time, Katie immediately ends up befriended by, word choice intentional, uh, Janice Ian and Damien Lay, who coach her through the first... Why is the word choice... I said befriended by. I did not say friends with. I thought
0: you meant their names. No, 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 no. no. Their names were specifically chosen. Well,
1: Janice Ian... I'll make a point about Janice Ian... Less so, Damien, but Janice again. yes. Um, Damien, I think, is actually named after one of Tina Fey's actual friends from mm. high school, um, if I remember correctly. Uh, and uh, Janice and Damien coach Katie through the first day by introducing her to the concept of clique. Okay. In England, they say cliques instead of cliques. What? And I watched that like 50 minute video in which they said cliques the whole time, and it like somehow got ingrained. If I say cliques, I'm sorry, it's
0: cliques cliques here in the US. No, no
1: wonder we fought a war to be against them. (laughs) It was because of cliques. That's weird. Um, They coach her through the first day by introducing her to the concepts of cliques and mean girls. Uh, Katie ends up sitting with the meanest group of girls in school, the plastics consisting of Regina, Regina George, Gretchen Wieners and Karen Smith, and gets invited to hang out with them some more. Uh, Janice insists she d- that she do so and report back on what she learns Regina promises to put in a good word for Katie to the boy she likes Aaron Samuels who is also Regina's ex um, at at his like upcoming Halloween party, but she instead kisses him in front of Katie, spurring Katie to return back to Janice and Damien and create a plan to dethrone Regina by ruining her attractiveness by getting her to gain weight, getting her friends to turn on her, and stealing her boyfriend. They manage to accomplish the first two, but in the process, Katie becomes a mean girl herself, with Gretchen and Karen clamoring for her attention instead of Gretchen or instead of Regina's. Um just as they used to with Regina. After Katie throws a party during Janice's art show and ends up throwing up on Aaron and getting caught by Regina, Janice confronts her and says that she's become every bit as bad as Regina. Regina makes copies of The Burn Book, a scrapbook of insults that she, Karen, and Gretchen have put together, and Katie also, um, and fakes an entry for herself that makes it look like Katie did it. Uh, she leaves the copies all around the school that starts fights and prompts miss norbury played by tina Fey, to put all of the girls into a workshop about their cruelty to one another regina accuses janice of being a lesbian again that's what kicked off their and she was like janice is a she, i could have a lesbian at my pool party I mean, she's she was a, a lesbian, lesbian. um <laughs> anyway So not she like there'll be girls in bikinis yeah there'll be girls there in their bathing suits yeah um And anyway, so Regina accuses Janice once again of being a lesbian, which is what led to the breakup of their friendship in the first place. And Janice bitterly confesses her and Katie's whole plan to applause from the rest of the school. (laughs) Um, Regina leaves and ends up getting hit by a bus, as you do. Uh, Katie bl- takes blame for the burn book and ends up shunned by everybody until the spring fling dance where she wins queen and breaks up the crown to share with her classmates, fixing the friendship with Janice and Damien and ushering in a temporary era of peace among the girls. There's Mean Girls too. We're not talking about that. We're also not talking about the musical. I know I love to talk about musicals, but I didn't watch this one. So. We just tried to take it easy. <laughs> so the, you just get the, You just get the movie. So the first thing is much like we did with American Gods, where we kind of just took the title as a way to talk about the thing we're going to do the same thing with mean girls we're going to talk about the mean and mean girls um which largely is mean mean which is largely power um so mean first mean girl as a whole term does get invoked directly in the film by janice when she's ripping katie a new one for how she's treated her um she's like you're you're a mean girl you're a bitch." Um, But there's also a lot of demonstrations about what mean this looks like. Uh, The plastics are sort of the quintessential mean girls because they're popular. Like when you when you say mean girl, the image that appears in your mind now probably because of mean girls is going to be very similar to the mean girls in this movie. Um, But even before this movie, I think that there's like an idea of what a mean girl looks like and she's thin and pretty and popular and white and up. dresses nicely
0: Preppy. but inexpensively she's a prep she's a prep dates um, the athletes yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and it doesn't actually matter if she's mean or not no <laughs> it has more to do with what she looks like than how she acts um certainly Regina in this movie is mean right we see yes. her bullying we see her manipulating just about everybody her friends included Gretchen and Karen may not be mean to people themselves, but they certainly enable Regina. Like, Gretchen's secret gathering in her hair like enables Regina to be awful. And Karen usually isn't mean, but she's such a, like, yes woman. Yeah. Like, one of the best illustrations of this was pointed out in one of the videos that I watched, and I can't remember which one, unfortunately, but there's a... You know the part when they're first at the mall together, and um... Katie says she's thinking about joining them athletes. Um, And there's like a short, there's a very short pause in which Karen looks at Katie like, oh, really? Like she's like interested in it almost. Mm -hmm. And then Regina says you can't do that or Gretchen's, I can't remember which one actually says it, that it's social suicide. And then Karen's face immediately turns like, Oh, oh, no. And then she goes, and then like three seconds after everybody else is saying, no, 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 no. Karen also starts going, no, no. Like that I feel like Karen is probably the least mean of the Mean Girls, but she's certainly an enabler. I, she definitely feels like um, I'm so proud of you
0: for uh-huh. doing that. Yeah, I like even when, even when, even um, when sh- there's a scene where Regina and what's his name that she's dating
1: Aaron or Aaron. Sean,
0: Aaron Shane, sh- Aaron Samuels. Aaron. Yes, Aaron Samuels. Um, they're out there eating lunch,
1: and Karen's just,
0: like, staring at them like it's the cutest thing she's ever seen. <laughs> I
1: think Karen is completely guileless, but, um, She is just not even one brain cell. No, but, sh- but she is an enabler of yes. Regina's behavior. Um... So what do they get out of this? Like, what is Regina getting out of it? What is Gretchen getting out of it? What is Karen getting out of it? I think the easy answer and probably the most true answer is power. Some people might be mean just for the sake of being mean. Like, there are people out there who, who just, just enjoy it. Who just like to be mean. Um, but I think most people are likely to do it, including indirectly, because it gives them some sense of power and security. Yeah. This is often called social capital um, as popularity or fear that looks like popularity Often serves a similar role to money in amassing power in situations where money is less of a. Because, like in high school, certainly money plays a role, but it's not. It's not your money. It's, yeah, it's rarely your money. And if you are working for your money, then you are less likely to have the same amount of power as somebody who does not have to work for it. Um, Social capital also has a more general meaning about how people work in groups, but we're talking about capital as in some as in something that confers value or benefit to its owners rather than like existing within a group.
0: I think it's really interesting because when I first think about like why people are bullies and mean, uh, my first reaction is always like you're the bully before someone can bully you, but mm-hmm. I don't really feel that's what's happening with Regina specifically here.
1: Um yeah, I think it's different. I think Janice is a bully. Yes. before, before Yes, but Regina
0: specifically. Well, we'll
1: get into Regina. I think Regina's a bit different. Um, yeah, we'll get there. Uh, so the question becomes, like, how do they get... This power Um, because we're following Katie, we don't see the origins of how Regina became leader of the plastics, nor do we see why being popular in this specific way, as opposed to being popular with a different group of people. We don't see why that appeals to her, but we can make some guesses based on evidence. um, The movie does give us as well as some research in our own experience with having been high school girls. (laughs) Um, This first quote is probably our most. um, Why are you combining these two things? which is uh, mean girl analysis through Kant's essay on enlightenment by <laughs> Alua uh Sir- Sugra Limova. If anybody is, listens to us and is surprised by that, then they're not <laughs> listening. Um, so this is a quote from that essay. Uh, the term, I think it's non-age. That's what I'm going to It's say. a weird word and I don't like it. I'm going with non-age. <laughs> the term non-age in the essay is explained as intellectual immaturity, meaning never questioning the order of life processes and occurrences, following what others say and having thoughts that originated on the outside source. In the movie, the leader plastic, Regina George, manipulated people's thinking and actions. The majority of the students being in the stage of non-age is the very reason for her being able to heavily influence them. When we live in the subjugated state, it's easy for others to see- to set themselves as guardians. It appears we don't need to burden our brains. Everything is constructed and designed for our comfort. That creates disga- disengagement from life. In this example, we see how intellectual blindness can easily set someone above socially and let, and let project their personal intentions. As a consequence, Katie gradually adapted the same mean behavior – became one of the plastics and sought revenge against Regina. Kant indicated such dynamic shift as suppressed eventually as suppressed eventually seek revenge upon their guardians in case the latter are not enlightened themselves. Is this okay, so this was confusing to
0: me. Is this like almost like weaponized um oh fuck
1: incompetent? Yes, weaponized like in inco- like No, this is when you're a teenager When you're a teenager, you don't really have a firm set of identity and you have a lot of pressures acting on you from outside. So non-age is this like state of it says intellectual immaturity. So you just kind of swallow whatever is given to you because you aren't yet mature enough to look outside of it. Okay, so it truly is just like I'm a kid. Yeah. Um, so the bad es- influences. <laughs> so this essay is referencing an essay by Kant called "What Is Enlightenment," in which he discusses the concept of non-age, which he describes as "quote inability to use one owns understanding without another's guidance." Unquote. And is it
0: that inability to use, use one's it because own- you don't have that understanding?
1: Yeah, you okay. you can't use your own understanding without somebody else's guidance because okay, that's that's what you basic- just as a kid don't have it right, and okay. you you're used to having a guardian and a guide,
0: a guide you. I'm used to someone signing the Guardian has watched me right. uh,
1: sign this paper, yeah, you don't you you literally don't have independence, okay, okay, that makes more sense um so Sugra Limova connects this idea to the fact that the characters of mean girls don't have much of a sense of self outside of who they are, outside of their role in the school. Oh, sorry, that was confusingly worded. They don't have much of a sense of self um outside of like the role foisted upon them by their role in the school much of which is imposed by others like in high school you're kind of defined by your friend group the people mm-hmm. that you hang out with become the person that you are even if you don't necessarily like identify with that yourself um, i was always the emo kids despite playing lots of sports see you think that but you had friends in a variety of groups but my core
0: group were the emo kids I had friends. I didn't really hang out with them, though.
1: Yeah, but I'm thinking of our friends, and we weren't known as emo kids. We were known as mean girls. Well, to within, we were the Janice Ians. <laughs> I wasn't. You were, <laughs> but our friend group—you weren't. You weren't. I wasn't mean. either. I, no, I was. Uh, I guess I was a complete and utter misfit. Um, but our friend group was the Janice Ians. So, like, our friend group was comprised of different kinds of people with different interests. And we were all kind of grouped together by the fact that we were misfits and had been friends for a long time and some proximity to friends and some proximity to friends. And, but we were defined by that. Like, (laughs) Oh yeah. My, my impression of myself in high school, and I'm the worst judge of this, but my impression was that it was not very well liked. And when I talked to other people who went to high school with me, but were not necessarily part of this same friend group, they're like, no, you were well liked. It was that people hated your friends, yeah, that's
0: the thing. And then there was the one group of people who just hated us, Well, but whatever who they they were them? stupid. <laughs> no, I yeah, I can see that. I think I think I was just so oblivious. Like I got along with everybody, truly. I was friends with a lot of people. I played sports year round, so I knew a lot of people, and like, I'm not confrontational. I think the worst thing that people could have thought about me, not that I mean, but that I'm annoying. I think that would yeah. be the most like people could say. like I'm pretty sure my sister's boyfriend's brother said that about me like oh you know you know my sister and the and the response was like yeah she was annoying and I and I, she told me that and I was like I think that's fair. Think <laughs> Everybody that's was fair. annoying. In high Everyone's school. annoying in high school. Um, Everyone's annoying. But at the same time though like you were you were nice and stuff and quiet but that also meant like you know you were easily manipulated by a friend group.
1: <laughs> well, and I was it because I was quiet. I looked like everybody else. Like if yeah. I wasn't defying, if I wasn't like defying what was going on with our friends' behavior, I was going along with it. Like I yeah. was, I was party to the meanness until senior year when I started telling my friends to fuck off. Yeah, um, it's very interesting.
0: So it's it's interesting in that
1: we can both look
0: back on our time in high school and see very different things. Yeah. But like that that's that's what I what I Despite I'm, being together like all the time.
1: <laughs> the the whole idea of your role in school being imposed by others is what I'm illustrating with our friend group because like yeah, yeah I wasn't a mean girl. Like But you were part of a but group. But I was part of a group of mean girls. Or I was part of a group with enough mean girls that you could call us a type of mean girl group, even if we weren't all actually mean or all actually girls. I think it makes sense to like be like the Janice Ian of this
0: movie, because other people aren't necessarily looking at Janice Ian and being like, she's a mean girl, but she
1: is. When I look at Janice Ian, I see somebody specific that we knew in high school. But I'm saying like the people who go to that high school aren't like, oh, Janice Ian. Right.
0: They're saying it's more like, oh, Regina said this about Janice Ian.
1: Yeah, yeah. But like actually Janiceine is a mean girl. We'll get there later. Kay. Um So this is in part, this idea of having your identity imposed upon you by others is in part because they are young people without a fully developed sense of self and in part likely because the pressures to adhere to social norms are so intense at this point in time. Like they come from your peers, your parents, your teachers, pop culture, etc. Like everything is kind of pushing on you to have an identity. And so like when you're somebody like me who at some point started really disliking my high school friends, Mm -hmm. you have a scary choice of do I stand up to my friends or do I and have no friends potentially or I would have always been your friend. Thank you. Yeah. Or do as, as I was. <laughs> or do I just go along with it? And that's a scary choice to make when your social life is dependent on the people that you've been friends with for years even if you no longer Were like you them. Were you ever afraid that if
0: you did that that I wouldn't be your friend? I don't think so. Okay, good
1: because teenagers in particular exist under all of this pressure and because they don't have the rights to establish themselves as adults do hence um, sugra limova referring to them as being in a subjugated state it's easier to just go along with those pressures or those pressures that bring you the least harm note that I said the least harm and not the most joy because when I look back at myself in middle and high school I was not so much seeking joy as I was avoiding harm so I thought this was
0: interesting when I read this because I was seeking joy yeah I thought that was really interesting. And sad, I'm so sorry. <laughs> we had very
1: I mean we had very different life experiences despite being together often. Yeah, but like our our life experiences yeah. are quite different. Yeah. And so a lot of navigating friendships to me was avoiding harm. Like yeah. what what is the least harmful course of action here? What is yeah. going to be the least scary choice as opposed to what is the best choice for me. And that's why I put up with so much bullshit for so long was because I was like, what's least harmful. Hmm. Um, uh, Where was I? And maybe that's, yeah. And maybe that speaks the idea of, Seeking the least amount of harm. Maybe that speaks to my specific neuroses. It certainly does. But I also think it's demonstrated in Mean Girls. Mm -hmm. Regina experiences the least harm when she takes on the role of a hyper-feminine girl who manipulates and lies her ways to popularity rather than taking the route that actually suits her, which is effectively to be a jock if we'll allow ourselves to use rigid boundaries when discussing a movie about how rigid boundaries are a bad idea. It is so you when
0: you say like have to explain jock and why that's not necessarily a good way to, <laughs> to categorize pick i'm just in case you didn't know. In case you didn't
1: know. So, Regina steps into the role of hyperfeminine Queen Bee. The other plastics follow suit in the path of least resist- resistance. Both Gretchen and Karen enjoy the power hyperfemininity and proximi- proximity to Regina confer on them, but they do not seek the status of Queen Bee themselves. Katie gets her individuality embarrassed out of her by the plastics, and Janice rebels because of Regina's bullying, but only insofar as she finds her place in a different group, right? Mm-hmm. Janice transforms. We don't see this happened, but we're told by regina janice transforms from presumably someone like regina to whatever the art freaks or whatever they call themselves in the map
0: yeah maybe it's it's
1: the coolest people you ever meet yeah it's the coolest but they were art freaks yeah
0: (laughs) i think someone else called i think regina might have called them art Art freaks freaks. yeah it's something like that Um, she is the epitome of jude (laughs)
1: like
0: uh if i can't be you i'll become so much worse yeah
1: so, uh, Regina points out to Katie that before she started calling Janice a lesbian, Janice dressed differently. It was after Regina's bullying that she cut all her hair off and started dressing weird or whatever it exactly is that Regina says about her. So, that's what this idea of non-age looks like. But what does it actually mean? Well, if if we're talking about enlightenment in the sense that Kant is using it, uh, it's a sort of freedom, specifically freedom from the roles and images of the self imposed by others. For high school students, I think that would mean the characters are, are living authentically, true to their feelings and visions of themselves. I think at the end of the film, we might see something close to that idea of, light, of enlightenment. Regina is no longer hyper-feminine, for example, and Katie has returned to how she dressed before infiltrating the plastics. But Janice looks the same. Her clothes and hair, which were a response to Regina's bullying, don't change at all. Mm-hmm. So that tells us something. Janice was being her authentic, enlightened self throughout the film which we're going to put a pin in for now because we're going to return to Janice's role in the story later, because I think it's probably the biggest missed opportunity in the film. So this is a quote. Actually, this is, I'm going to be talking about this video, mean girls, Regina George, the psychology of a dictator by the take. Um, this video does a great job of looking into how Regina functions as a dictator in the school, something Janice straight up actually calls her when they're talking about dethroning her. It might seem strange to refer to a high school girl as a dictator, but there but actually it so is.
0: makes makes so much sense. Yeah,
1: uh, it does not tell it doesn't. There's a really good debunking of this we'll talk about <laughs> later. Um, but there is something interesting. There's some interesting meat to the discussion when you start considering dictators as normal people and normal people as political actors. So before we get too into the dictator dictator angle, I think this video does something else very well. It aims to get at the heart of Regina's meanness. Like, why be a dictator at all? What is why? So Regina is a girl in our world where misogyny exists and the world operates under patriarchy. There is intense pressure to be a girl in a specific way, one that emphasizes physical attractiveness, being a prize for men, and having most of your aspirations be dependent first on satisfying those first two criteria, right? Like you before, before you do anything else, you should be hot and you should be attractive to men. Um, for some people, being physically attractive and becoming a wife are legitimate goals. I think it's good to question why a person might feel that way. But if we could somehow step outside of patriarchy and see what those desires look like without patriarchy and all of that kind of stuff, there is nothing inherently wrong with wanting to be physically attractive and wanting to be somebody's wife. Like, there's nothing actually wrong with that. It's the pressures that make us feel like it's imperative, though. Um, It's just that we can't always see the ways that our culture influences us to feel like we want certain things, even if we do not actually want them. Now, it may seem like that's actually what Regina wants, right? Like, actually, Regina just wants to be hot and and to be attractive to men. If she has all of this power, doesn't it make sense that she would use it to do what she wants? But Regina isn't happy or satisfied. If she was, she wouldn't need to treat people the way that she does, right? Like what if you're so happy, why waste your time being mean? You could do anything else.
0: It's so interesting. So this whole section, I kept like comparing it to. And I was telling Missy this before. this, like, I'm sure Missy doesn't get these on TikTok, but I'm sure many people do. The, the TikToks of, like, awful men on podcasts and, like, and Pearl specifically, who, if you don't know who Pearl is, she's just a bad person. Like, she's just a bad person. And she's very much, like, I guess she believes in, like, the, I guess you could say trad wife type of mentality, but... Like she's like everyone calls her like a pick me girl, but it doesn't seem like any of the men are actually picking her. Anyways, um, she I'm had, talk about pick me girls later too. Yeah, she had um, she had this one quote like the last one I saw. She was talking about how women in marriages should be led and they should follow and then somebody debunked it or something like that and she's like yeah but like any marriage or relationship i've seen where the woman leads they're just miserable they're just miserable and like regina's looks like the the type of person that these men and her like and jordan peterson and the other guy are, are like talking about where they're attractive they look like they're going to be like the uh, housewife and stuff but and like they would probably defend regina but when it comes down to it she's such an opposite of what regina they would eat
1: them alive. yeah
0: and so it and like pearl is a mean girl so like it just like this interesting like counter to what they are saying mm-hmm. of like, no, Regina's actually miserable. Yeah. She's actually miserable and she's the one leading. Yeah. Um, but she's it's I don't know, it's just really she's, she's, interesting. She's,
1: Regina's leading in a way that she thinks is the way for a girl to lead. Yes, and, and so, she's making herself miserable in the process. Yes,
0: but I I I think of the things they say, and I'm like, they would defend Regina. It's so it's just really interesting, mm-hmm. and how dumb these people are. Yeah, um, and uh, there's a lot of conversations being had, and they, these people are clearly just terrible people. Um, but looking at the, it's clear for me like the way that women look is judging them. They are judging them more off of how they look mm-hmm. because oftentimes when they explain these women who lead, they're, it's the quintessential like green hair and pronouns. Yeah, pronouns. <laughs> and they hate, they hate men and all this stuff. So it was interesting to read this whole section and have that in mind. Mm-hmm. They're terrible people. They're fucking horrible. <laughs> Just horrible. Yeah. She believes that women like to cheat.
1: I mean, some probably do. They
0: enjoy cheating.
1: Because they're all whores. Mm. But not her. Regina does. It's um, So this video, The Psychology of a Dictator from the Take, um, the video says this sharply intelligent, strong person doesn't have much to do besides shop, work on her appearance, and manipulate people. So essentially, she's bored. So not to make a comparison between humans and dogs, because, like, humans and dogs are not the same. But you know how if dogs aren't stimulated enough, they can become destructive? Mm-hmm. Like, they'll rip shit apart because they're bored? That's sort of what's going on with Regina. Uh, I don't think that she does want to be some just some guy's trophy wife, right? Like, that does that is not what I gather from Regina. But it is important that she has that attraction from them. Yes, because that solidifies, and I'll cover this later, that solidifies her role as leader. Um, I don't think that Regina would be satisfied in life if she was just some guy's trophy wife. She's clearly smart or she wouldn't be able to manipulate people half as well as she does. Say what you will, you're really pretty. Oh, so you think you're really pretty. Yeah. That's genius. It's awful, but it's genius. So you agree. Yeah, so you agree. You think you're really pretty. That's a smart fucking thing to say. Um, that she turns this intelligence toward evil tells us a couple of things. One, that she's trying to scramble for some sense of control in her life. And two, that she's feeling the pressure of society to act in a certain way. If she didn't feel that kind of pressure, maybe she would join the athletes, Right. Like probably not, but at this at least she would feel freedom to join the math. I think it's interesting that we don't know how well. I mean,
0: we only really know how well um, Katie does in school, but I would have been interested to know how well Regina does in school mm.
1: because I feel like she does well. I totally think that she would. yeah, like she she seems really smart. um she's probably one of those ones who is like, I'm already done with my homework. yeah. Regina's boredom combined with her intelligence and her ambition turns her into this manipulative, cruel person trying to get ahead in the way that's most socially acceptable for girls being pretty, being liked, or if you can't be liked, be feared, uh, and being popular. She's succeeding at all three of those things. Even if she's awful, the people of the school still seem to have reverence for her. Like those, a lot of those, like the girl who says she, one time she punched me in the face, it was awesome. Yeah. Like that is so clearly something that happens with with people that are popular in this very specific way and um uh katie says it too she says something like even if i hated regina i still wanted her to like me it's because i think it's just because of like if this person who hates other
0: people or is so mean to other people and likes me or is nice to me or recognizes me that says i'm worthy
1: yeah for sure Um, This is another quote from the video. Most saliently, Katie observes that in girl world, you're not allowed to express conflict. So the culture of elaborate oppression is really, and then this is a quote from Miss Norberry: express your anger in a healthy way. Um, Regina is honestly likely angry at her station in life. Her mother seems to be living vicariously through her rather than treating her as a mother should. Her father seems to be absent. The only time we (laughs) see him is when he's like... Being sad that she's dressed as a Playboy. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, and she has this immense pressure to conform, pushing on everything that she does. The way she knows how to be a woman is in is the way suggested by society, really emphasized by her mother. They've both had plastic surgery. They're both invested in conspicuous consumption, etc. Like, the way to be a woman, to Regina, is. To be society's ideal of a woman, with hypersexualized, no room. yeah, child. hypersexualized, hyperfeminine, like no ro- no wiggle room for interests like lacrosse. Um, they're be- all lesbians. They're all lesbians. Uh, but because women aren't supposed to be angry, she doesn't have an appropriate outlet for it. So she turns to the socially acceptable method for girls to express anger, which is bullying. Uh, Typical girl bullying doesn't look the same way that typical boy bullying does, which is a large part of the focus of Queen Bees and Wannabes by Rosalind Wiseman. We'll return to bullying a bit later, but my point here is that society has pushed Regina into an uncomfortable role, and she's angry about that role without an appropriate outlet. She may not even know what she's angry about, right? She may just be angry, um, and that manifests as meanness toward fellow girls who could, if she wasn't so hell-bent on feeling above them, they could instead be allies. Uh, that's why at the end of the movie, when she's able to channel her rage into sports, she appears so much happier with her hyper-femininity toned down and her friendship seeming more reciprocal than her friendships with Gretchen and Karen did, yeah. because they didn't actually have that much in common. No. Um, This, and I'm going to talk about another video, Uh, this is the mean girl trope explained by The Take, The Take has roughly 10 million videos about Mm -hmm. mean girls. Um, So this video gets into how mean girls are often embody positive traits, things like ambition and intelligence in a negative way. Uh, Ambition becomes cruelty. Intelligence becomes manipulation and so on. Um, I think it's impossible to look at this kind of thing without seeing it as something of a backlash to the to feminist movements Uh, in the 90s and early 2000s when we have a sudden deluge of Mean Girls films. um, The video uses Heather's Jawbreaker, Gossip Girl, Mean Girls and some others I was less familiar with. But those are some of their examples um, to demonstrate this rise in Mean Girl films in the 90s and 2000s. So when we're thinking about those, we're following on the trail of second wave feminism, which we talked about in our practical magic episode. So if you want more in depth about that, you can go listen to that one. Um, But the very basic gist is that in the 1960s through the 1980s, uh, feminists were pushing for more acceptance of women in the workplace, a rejection of domesticity as an an innate feminine characteristic and lots more besides, but those are the two things that we're kind of talking about. Um, because entering the workforce and rejecting domesticity resulted in some feminist caricatures that came to stand in for feminism as a whole. The idea of a man-hating, ambitious, cold bitch who would do anything to get what she wants, right? That's That was kind of the backlash to the second wave feminist movement. Yeah. Um, while man-hating is rarely part of the mean girl archetype we see in film and TV, men are often secondary to whatever it is that the mean girl wants. So in Mean Girls, Regina doesn't actually care about Erin at all, except as a tool to keep Katie in line. She's more more invested in Shane Omen who barely exists in the movie at all. Like Hmm. he's just kind of there. Um, So when I say backlash to feminism, I mean that the popularity of the mean girl in this period sort of piggybacks on that stereotype in a new way. Instead of being career hungry, she's power hungry. She's too young to have a family. So she's just awful to her friends. Instead of the more masculine silhouette of the eighties with power suits and um, shoulder pads, she becomes hyper feminine because this particular danger stems from femininity and being too much of anything, feminine like Regina, or alternative like Janice, turns you into a monster. You you have to tread the line. Um, with the exception of Janice, note how most of the hyper feminine girls end up in a more neutral place by the end of by the end of the film in terms of what they're wearing and what colors. There's less pink. Yeah. There's less skirts. It's just like suddenly everybody has returned to a more neutral state. Yeah. Um acknowledging women's capacity for cruelty is, I think, actually a good thing. Um, Not because all women are cruel, but because when we consider women or any group as purely good, we're leading toward Mm -hmm. things like pathologizing disagreement, sexual desire, etc. This Um, is
0: clearly still an issue.
1: (laughs) Yeah. If women are purely good and a wife disagrees with her husband... That would mean that woman is defective, right?
0: Yes, this is also talked a lot in those podcasts and saw modern women.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> the idea that women are inherently good is a box that forces us to conform, or else we're branded defective. Now we don't usually, sit, you know, ship people off to a sanitarium for the crime of arguing with their husband anymore, <laughs> but there are social pressures and like other punishments that we dole out to defective women.
0: Yeah, so there's a really not to bring in the Kardashians, but there's a really good clip of um in the beginnings of when Kim Kardashian was um falling out with Kanye mm-hmm. and her mom, Chris goes, well, because she's talking about how she's having these outbursts um and her her mom goes well you know maybe he wouldn't do that if you were just paid a little bit more attention oh, God. and it was just everyone on the table was like what the fuck are you talking about but she's comes from a different time and it was just like that mentality is still so alive today though mm-hmm. like maybe if you paid him more attention um uh, and there was another one where she he got mad at her for getting the wrong band-aid and um chloe was like well it's not that hard to just go find the right band-aid kim Oh my god. And she's like, "What?" But that that feeling of like, well, maybe if you took more care of your man or maybe if you took more care of the household, mm-hmm. this wouldn't be your like this is your problem. Yeah.
1: Um so that like it's important to acknowledge that like women are capable of a number of things in- including cruelty. Like it's part of our humanity. And when we try to act as though women are innately good or any group is innately good, we are leading to pathologizing Anything that doesn't fit the cultural idea of good, um, so I think this movie is both part of and critical of the expectations for women. I think it's hard, especially for Tina Fey, who would have spent many formative years during second wave feminism and the backlash to and it. And sure, it shows sometimes. Yeah, that's the thing is, I think it's, it would be hard for her to escape the cultural understanding of women in their roles. Hence, in my opinion, the fact that the meanest people in this movie embody both hyper Regina and rebellion Janice. Mm-hmm. Uh, On that note, it's also interesting that Janice doesn't see the same repercussions for her mean behavior. But again, we'll get back to that later. But also the fact that Tina Fey understands that we all have the capacity for cruelty, spoken out loud by Aaron in the film, is, in my opinion, really important to feminism. We cannot be equal until we are considered as full and complete humans. And that includes our capacity for doing horrible things. A cruelty can happen in any group and when we continue to act as though it is like a marginalized status that confers goodness upon you that's when we run into this issue of like pathologizing behavior i don't know it's a whole thing um so this isn't this is a quote from that video the mean girl trope explained by the take um the status quo of the social hierarchy actually makes her miserable, herping Regina. Um, but instead of overturning it, she chooses to perpetuate the toxic cycle because at least she's on top. I think Regina knows the system is bullshit. Um, and well, we, yeah, she definitely does. When um, they're like, you, "You're not wearing the right thing," yeah, and she's, she's like, "Those rules are made up." Yeah, those She says, "Whatever. Those rules aren't real." But they are. But they are real when she needs to reinforce her power, as she does by saying Karen's vest was disgusting. The rules are fake except when she doesn't need them to be. So she understands these these rules are made up so that I can have power over you. So Regina sees through this idea, and I think we can see that wow, as Miss Nurboy notes, she's certainly pleased with herself. She's not really happy. She's constantly trying to fit into a box that is too small for her. She's obsessed with losing three pounds. She's always scrambling for power because, as the quote says, it's better to be at the top of a toxic cycle than to be suffering under it. She's untouchable in her position. If she's going to be miserable because she's a girl and there's not a lot of options available to her, then at least she's miserable at the top, right, where no one can get to her. Um, this is a quote from the same video, looking at all this together, it becomes clear that this character's meanness is really a coping mechanism. The sympathetic take on these frustrated young women is that they're thwarted by a suffocating system that doesn't expect them to be more than vapid sex symbols or allow them to embrace their full mental power. So we don't see much of uh, Karen or Gretchen's families to understand why the way they are the way they are, but we do have two characters whose personal lives we do see, which is Katie and Regina. Regina is probably the character whose family we see the most and get the most information about. We know her mother is trying to live vicariously through her daughter, getting plastic surgery, preparing drinks, inserting herself into the conversation, dancing along with the winter <laughs> dance, trying to get into spring fling photos, etc. Like she's everywhere. Um, we know her parents don't sleep in the same bed. We see her sister alone watching TV, <laughs> dancing to please's milkshake, and trying her and taking her top off, an emulation of a Girl's Gone Wild video ad, like which will make zero sense to younger people. Yeah, <laughs> um, The person who should be their role model for femininity is also trying to fit into an idealized role that doesn't even fit her anymore, right? Like, sh- she is not 16, right? But no. she's still trying to be 16 because that is the place where you, you can theoretically have the most power as a, as a woman, you know? Yeah. Um, She's trying to be a cool, likable mother rather than trying to be the queen bee. She's likely trying to chase something that was denied to her when she was younger. And then there's Katie's family who are pretty detached from society because they were researchers in Africa for most of Katie's life. There's a weird implication there that Africa, a country, is not mentioned, (laughs) which we can talk about more in a bit. Um, There's a weird idea there that Africa is somehow free of cultural conditioning, which is not at all true. Africa is not a blank slate. It has its own culture. Uh, multiple, seeing as, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um But it seems like. I them- never realized that, which is not me thing of them being like Africa. Africa. To my recollection, the only time an actual place is mentioned is when um, uh, Katie's mother asks why the fertility vase is under the same Oh, yeah. And she names a specific cultural group. That made the fertility base. And that's, but it seems like the movie is suggesting that Katie and her parents don't buy into the established norms of society about acceptable behavior for women because they exist outside of it, having lived in Africa. So when Katie comes to America and meets the plastic, she's more impressionable. She's easy, easily manipulated by Janice, having no reason to question why someone would treat her like that, and buys into Regina's whole system because she wants to be liked and accepted because she hasn't had that before. So the point here, I think, is a good one. Despite the weird Africa has no culture implication, which is its own thing, um, these feelings about the place and role of women in society are everywhere. And the pressures are so immense that even if you're not from here, you can still fall victim to it because it's inescapable, especially because Katie is trying to fit in for the first time in her life. She hasn't had a lot of friends, hasn't had a lot of crushes. This is all new to her. Even her sense of identity as an American teenager is new to her, so it makes sense that she's susceptible to all of these pressures. When your life is uprooted and you end up in the middle of a lot of established rules you don't understand, it makes sense that you'd go for whatever is going to give you power, and she gets that from being friends with the plastics. Um, So let's return to the idea of Regina as a dictator and how the movie actually does a fairly good job of depicting the dynamics of a culture that make dictatorships possible. The Take video covers how Regina's position is an accurate portrayal of historian and sociologist's understanding of how dictatorships are upheld. So this is a quote from the video. Sorry, again, I have a cough drop in. So this is a quote from Mean Girls, Regina George, The Psychology of a Dictator by The Take. Academics Johannes Gershewski and Wolfgang Merkel. Did I say Johannes or Johannes?
0: You said Johannes.
1: It's Johannes. Mary has got me saying Johannes. <laughs> It's not Johannes, it's Johannes. Johannes Gershewski and Wolfgang Merkel also frame dictatorships as resting on three key pillars, which are legitimacy, co-optation, or co-option, and repression. If any one of these is compromised, the regime becomes unstable and theoretically can be overthrown. So we'll break that down. Legitimacy is accomplished through th- through the first two things on Janice's list of things that they have to take out, Aaron Samuels and hot body. So Aaron Samuels is important because Aaron is a well-liked, nice dude, conventionally attractive, popular athlete, right? Yes. He is correct. He likes her. Yes. He's good. She good. Yes. So if the perfect guy chooses Regina, he legitimizes her perfection, right? So it's important for her to have Aaron Samuels, not because she likes Aaron Samuels, because it contributes to her identity as leader. And the hot body, it's an accepted rule in our culture that the perfect girl must be attractive and attractiveness looks like thin, white, blonde, etc. Especially
0: in the early 2000s. And yes. unfortunately, that is coming back. Yeah. So co-option. Um, Not that whiteness being perfect, number one, but the very thin perfectness. Yeah, yeah it was
1: a, it's a specific image of attractiveness that was popular then. So co-option um, refers to dampening competition by inviting potential threats to join leadership. So that means absorbing threats like Katie, Gretchen, and Karen that gives, in- gives Regina insight into their weaknesses and lets her keep them under control. They're no longer threats because they are close to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's and rep- she fights for them. Yeah. And then there's repression, which is keeping your subjects in line through fear of violence, etc. Gretchen gathers secrets that become the burn book mm-hmm. or other methods of bullying. Now, most of the students don't know about the burn book, but it is a tool that they have at any moment, to keep people in line. The rules are enforced regardless of social status, right? The plastics tell Katie she can't join the mathletes because it's social suicide. And you're like, well, of course the plastics would say that. But then Damien says the exact same Mm -hmm. thing, even though Damien is himself an outcast, right? So why the fuck does he care if joining the mathletes is social suicide? Because he wants to be cool. Exactly. Everybody, nobody wants to be the the lowest person in the social hierarchy, right? It's okay if you look like you might be that, but you don't want to be it. Exactly. Because if you look like it, you're choosing it. But if you mm-hmm. are it, you're not. Right. Everyone knows that not staying in line with the plastics will have negative consequences. All this means is that um, all this means that Regina's hold on the school does function something like a dictator, right? Um, this is another quote from the video. In addition to being hated and feared, she is revered, loved, and admired. So she encapsulates the complex combination of feelings a dictator inspires in her subjects. Again, note that one line where the girl says, one time she punched me in the face. It was awesome. (laughs) It's funny, but it's also not inaccurate when talking about how people may feel toward dictators. She might have gotten hit in the face, but she still got attention from the queen, right? The queen has acknowledged her existence.
0: Uh, It's like when people say, like, Pedro Pascal can stomp on me. No, Mary, that's very different. That's
1: I mean, very different. some people may feel that way. Some people may just want to be validated by Pedro Pascal. Other people are getting a different kind of I, I think the difference is that Pedro Pascal is
0: nice. Yes. <laughs> but also, it's a sex thing, Mary. I don't know if you can tell me that the being punched in the face, there isn't an argument
1: for that. No, there is an argument for that. Yeah. But um, I don't think that's what it's illustrating.
0: But what in the movie.
1: What? So, fair. I don't think that's what it's illustrated fair. in the movie. Um, so if we, if we can agree that Regina functions like a dictator, Janice appears like a revolutionary hero, right? The video compares Janice to a once-favored political dissident, somebody who was once on the dictator's side, but who defects, making her even more of a target for repression. If we read between the lines of what Regina tells us about her falling out with Janice, which is that Janice became too clingy when Regina got a boyfriend... We can imagine that it was less that Regina really thought Janice was a lesbian and more that she thought Janice's constantly reminding her that she was being a shitty friend was annoying, right? It's easier to treat somebody cruelly if you can find a reason why they're unacceptable, so she called her a lesbian and dropped her. Yeah. Um, we've talked a bit about the various reasons that a character like Regina might be so miserable as to become an awful bully, but there is one angle that we haven't discussed, and that's queerness. Now, to preface this, the Why Mean Girls Regina George is So Miserable video by The Take is about compet or compulsory heterosexuality, which is a concept that basically says our culture is so fixated on heterosexuality as a default norm that even people who are queer, um, it's especially often applied to lesbians, um, that even even people who are queer may end up performing heterosexuality to fit in. That's certainly true. Compet is a real thing. Like, you're not less valid because choices that you made when you were younger don't fit your identity now. That's not what I'm arguing. But I simply do not think there's enough evidence to say that that is the reason Regina is so awful. Like, sure, it would probably be a more interesting movie if Regina herself actually had a crush on Janice and that's why she pushed her away as a friend. I want to watch that movie. (laughs) But the evidence that we're given... I truly, truly thought when
0: I first watched it, I remember thinking that she really was... I wish she was like I. I legitimately think that would be a stronger movie. I was actually surprised in the end when she gets with the guy because because uh, it made it made sense to me, and that do you didn't, mean Janice? Yeah, Janice. Yeah, it it made sense to me, and and like I didn't obviously I didn't see that like as a bad thing, right? It just
1: being like oh well, yeah probably well we'll talk about Janice <laughs> later. There's a whole section on Janice. Yeah. Um. So the evidence that we are given, such as her like, quote unquote, secret affair with Shane Omen, which is for nobody's grat- gratification but her own, it seems more likely that Regina is miserable because she's smart and bored. But there's still some interesting stuff in this argument with regard to other characters. So that's why I'm talking about this video. I just, I'm sorry. I can't get on board with the idea that Regina is secretly queer. I wish she was. Like, I legitimately, I think it would be a better movie if Regina was so put off by feeling that Janice was attracted to her, that that's why she started. I her think there's more argument that Gretchen is. That Gretchen is, yeah, mm-hmm. I could see
0: that. But um, I have a hard time saying Karen is because it would make me feel weird to Regina say Regina th- or Karen. Karen, oh. it would make me feel weird that to say that to Karen when she also is condoning incest. <laughs> and I feel like maybe that comparison shouldn't be made.
1: Yeah. So this but is Gretchen, totally. Yeah. So this is a quote from why Reg- Reg- y- Regina. Why Mean Girls' Regina George is so miserable, also by The Take. Regina uses the burn book to police and judge the rest of the female population of the school for either not having sex or acting in a way she deems sexually unacceptable. All this may suggest that Regina views her performance of heterosexuality as necessary but stifling, which causes her to be resentful. So separate from the question of Regina's sexual orientation, what is undeniable is that a big part of her misery comes from the pressure of performing as the hot heterosexual dream girl. So... Regina is weirdly prudish about other people's sexual behaviors, despite hooking up with Shane Oman at school. Many of the Burn Book entries are sexual in nature, made out with a hot dog, fat virgin, etc. Um, she calls Karen a slut, and she's obsessed with the idea that Janice's interest in her when they were still friends was sexual na- in nature, rather than literally something a friend might do. And notably, Janice literally does the same thing to Katie when Katie starts treating her this the same way. This was so not surprising to me, this whole like mentality.
0: Because it was... Um, when I think back to, like, pop stars, of mm-hmm. wanting to be, like, this virginal thing, yet having, like, really sexual yeah. outfits and things like that, it just seemed like the the perfect, like, example of how women should be and how yeah. they are and how we, like, expect them to be and in both ways of, like, I can be sexually available while also saying that other women who are having sex mm-hmm. are gross. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't think there's enough evidence for me to say that Regina George is queer. I think she's still subject to the pressures of heteronormativity, which I would say is a more appropriate term if she's straight. Yeah. Um, because heteronormativity goes beyond the idea that heterosexuality is normal. It includes the way that we perform heterosexuality as well. You can see this in how straight people imagine queer relationships. Well, who's the man and who's the woman? Mm-hmm. Fucking neither. It's a queer relationship. Nobody's the man and nobody's the woman. Or we're both Who men. Who wears both the pants? pants. Yeah, like it, has, it has fuck all to do with queer relationships. But you're imagining queer relationships... Th- Relationships through a heteronormative lens. And the words do not apply. And like what are you even saying when you say that
0: you're 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 putting gender roles onto that? Like it's not just like who has the penis and who has the vagina, it's who runs the household and who follows. And
1: now street people have learned about topping and bottoming and now just do the same thing. Um anyway. Co-op in queer culture. (laughs) Uh so Regina, to my interpretation, is who to my interpretation is straight, is still feeling the pressure of heteronormativity to perform the appropriate social role of woman, even though much of it doesn't fit her. Like, again, talking about the idea of the social role in a relationship, like, heteronormativity would suggest that she needs to be passive and caretaking. And that's not Regina, mm-hmm. right? So even though she may not be queer, heteronormativity is still exerting a certain pressure on her once she gets freed from that restriction she becomes much happier i guess you could say like just how patriarchy affects men Mm -hmm. like
0: the heteronormativity affects straight people absolutely
1: um arguing that regina is ace would actually be a more interesting interpretation of her being queer to me but nobody's doing that like of course shane omen throws a bit of a wrench into this interpretation but compet still exists right like Mm -hmm. compet can affect ace people too Um, I feel like a girl who is pressured to perform femininity and sexuality, despite not being invested in the normative idea of either makes a lot of sense to me. I'm not arguing that she is ace because, again, I don't know that I have enough information for that. But I find the idea of Regina, Regina Spector, (laughs) different person, (laughs) different person. I find the idea of Regina George as ace, a more compelling idea to me than the idea of Regina George as lesbian. Yeah. Not because I hate lesbians, but because I just think that that's a more compelling argument. But if the if Regina George was actually a lesbian or was bisexual or some some variation of having attraction to women, I think the movie would probably be better. Yeah, you know? and, and in no world where I think Tina Fey would write that at that no. time. No, Certainly in no world. Time. So why Mean Girls is Regina George? Oh, sorry, this is uh, another quote from Why Mean Girls is Regina George is so miserable by the take. So in the present, Janice, Janice is, though not a lesbian, still strikingly less deferential to compet than Regina. She doesn't adhere to the pressure to perform, to, to perform hyper femininity or have highly public relationships with men. Through the lens of compet, Regina George is the acceptable image of womanhood and Janice is the deviant one. So Regina t- feels the ongoing need to disparage Janice as a means of reaffirming the dominance of her own beauty standard and social value. I think there's a few things going on with Janice's appearance. She's purposefully rebelling against Regina's style of being a girl. Regina tells us as much when she says that after her bullying, Janice came back with short hair and different clothes. Um, She fits in better with more socially rebellious kids. Art kids have their own uniform. Um, And despite the fact that I think this thread kind of gets dropped by the end, Janice's behavior is sort of a dark mirror to Regina's. And we'll get back to that. but nonetheless, I think it's true that part of what Regina continues to resent about Janice, who shows no actual indication of being a lesbian, another thing we'll touch on later, um, is the fact that she's comparatively free from heteronormativity. Janice is under no obligation to perform an extreme femininity, femininity that doesn't fit her. She doesn't feel like she has to have a boyfriend, let alone the right boyfriend. She's just living her life, which is something Regina does not feel she's capable of. And that transforms into bullying. Um so this video, uh, The Underlying Politics of Mean Girls by Gabriella Day, actually is based on the dictator one, but takes it in a different direction in that Gabriella Day identifies Karen and Gretchen as oligarchs to Regina's authoritarian ruler. So an oligarchy is when a small group of people have control of a country, organization, or institution. And the difference that uh, Day is arguing in this video versus the take video on dictatorship is that Regina could not effectively rule without the assistance of her oligarchs gretchen and karen and eventually katie Um, so gretchen handles the social functions like gossip karen whose primary characteristic is stupidity is pretty and embodies the ideal of what the plastics should be she's not smart enough to overthrow regina as gretchen is but she still rounds out the plastics visually and ideologically and when we look back at that idea of Gretchen or of uh, Regina's Gretchen seems like gr- I feel like Gretchen's name should be, belong to Regina for whatever reason I don't know why I feel this way but I always get their names mixed up anyway when you think back to that idea of Regina's prudishness it's notable that she tells Katie it should be Karen Karen like Karen should be should be Spring Fling Queen but ev- but is, I can't remember if she says everybody hates her but it, but she yeah I think she says
0: everyone hates her everyone
1: hates her because she's such a slut
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: like so she's acknowledging that Karen is the prettiest.
0: Yeah. We didn't see any evidence that Gretchen is a slut. We saw her upset about one
1: boy. You mean Regina? No, Gretchen. She's calling Karen a slut. Oh, that's right. She, she's not, not Gretchen. That's right. That's right.
0: Um, she's calling Gretchen mean, right? She's a bitch.
1: I can't remember. I think she's a bitch. Um, at that point she's talking about Karen and she, and she uses, she's such a slut to say why she can't be the prettiest, which doesn't actually make any sense. Um, So Karen is not smart enough to overthrow Regina like Gretchen is, but she still runs out the plastics visually and ideologically. So Gabriella Day disagrees that Regina is a dictator. She's the authoritarian head of a group of oligarchs. North Shore doesn't fall when Regina does, right? It's not actually based on Regina's power. It's based on the small group of powerful Mm -hmm. individuals the way an oligarchy is. Um, Because Regina is not actually key to the power structure. Initially, Katie fills the power vacuum left by Regina. But ultimately, in realizing how the system hurts everybody after Miss Norbury's workshop, and seeing Regina get hit by a bus, she literally breaks up the the spring fling crown, a symbol of that power and shares it among the group. If you think about it, it's almost democracy that she is is bestowing upon the students. She has the crown of oligarchy. She breaks it up and gives power back to the people. Power to the people. Exactly. That's like literally what's happening in that scene. Gabriella Day also brings up another important point. Janice is not all that different from Regina when you get right down to her behavior toward Katie. Mm-hmm. Down to refusing to call Katie by her name. Yeah, I she didn't her remember She calls Katie through the whole movie. <laughs> I didn't remember that. And I was like, that's so rude. It's so rude. <laughs> it's not even like, oh,
0: you got a fun nickname because someone accidentally said your name wrong or something. It was like, no, I'm going to call you Katie because that's how I read it. Yeah. But it also is very um, good, like, foreshadowing. She becomes
1: Katie. Yeah, it's true. Um, another video, unfortunately I can't remember which which video said this, uh, one of them points out that Regina comes from a root word meaning royalty, while Janice is the name of the two-faced Roman god. And Janice Ian, more specifically, was a lesbian singer-songwriter. Um, and when it comes to the group dynamics of the anti-plastic friend group, Janice, Damien, and Katie, they're not all that different from the plastics. Janice th- is the unopposed leader of the group. Uh, Damien, while certainly smarter than Karen, still embodies that sort of one-note tropiness that she does. Like Damien is such a mid two thousands gay character in a movie
0: the the best gay the best male gay
1: friend. Yeah, um, and my gay uh, best friend exactly. And Katie actually very easily steps into the role of Gretchen. Yeah. Um, she becomes Janice's gossip and secret gatherer, and much like Gretchen, Katie has the capability to overthrow Regina. She just also has the motive that Gretchen does not have. And as the secret gather herself, she's able to step into the role without too much hesitation. Okay, question. Mm -hmm. Do you think that she could
0: um, take over Janice's role, though?
1: No, because she hasn't had the social rejection. Mm. Um, Katie has power that Gretchen does not think to seize for herself. Mm. But setting aside Katie, Janice herself seems to have aspirations not entirely dissimilar to Regina's, just twisted. She's not invested in hyperfemininity, hyper femininity the hardest word in the english language for me to say um but she is interested in power through revenge she wants to punish regina which i mean who wouldn't right um how oh, else are you gonna make her pay because you do things like cut
0: holes in her shirt and she's like yeah yeah so she needs yeah she, revenge is the only way the revenge only regina knows
1: yeah But that doesn't make... The fact that we can understand why Janice would want revenge on Regina doesn't make her right. Turning herself into alternative Regina isn't actually a solution because it's just perpetuating the same shit that Regina does in a different package, Um, especially because she manipulates Katie with the promise of friendship, because that's what it is initially. Much as Regina sees on Katie as a potential threat, Janice spots Katie and how pretty she is and realizes she'll be a useful asset. Like... One of her first interactions with Katie is lying to her and manipulating mm-hmm. her. Like, oh, that's in the back building. And then when she says, wait, are not we not supposed to skip school? She's like, why would we why would we lie to you? We're your friends. Yeah. Right. That's manipulative behavior. You can look at their actions as for a useful demonstration of this. So when Katie tells Janice about the burn book, Janice says they should publish it. So everyone knows how awful Regina is. When Regina finds out that Katie kissed Aaron, she publishes the burn book to show everybody how awful Katie is, even though most of it is Regina's doing. It's literally the same thing. Janice and Regina used to be friends, and we can see that in how their methods are similar, right? So um, this other video, also from The Take... Mean Girls, Janice and the Unpopular Mean Girl, Um, it argues that Janice, not Katie, is responsible for Katie's transformation into a mean girl. Janice isn't honest about her reasons for wanting Katie to infiltrate the plastics. Katie doesn't even know that Regina bullied Janice, aside from the like half story she gets from Damien early in the movie in the bathroom, um, before Janice shushes him, before he can say that Regina accused her of being a lesbian. Everything Janice does up until maybe around when Katie's more focused on sabotaging the plastics slash grabbing power for herself is to get Katie into position to bring Regina down. Um, once Katie ditches her as Regina did Janice about faces, which like, I don't blame Janice for that. Right. Katie's being a shitty friend. Yeah. Um, but Katie's shittiness doesn't erase that Janice herself is also shitty. We can have a variety of mean girls. All Uh, kinds of shitty. Mm hmm. Um, So this is a quote from that video. Uh, Janice's self-consciously alternative look may not even be true to who she really is. To an extent, it's another way Janice is still upholding Regina's insidious value system. Because defining herself as the anti-Regina makes her own sense of identity dependent on her oppressor. So Janice is using Katie as a tool to punish Regina for how she treated Janice in the past, which is absolutely something Regina would do. (laughs) And by defining herself in opposition to Regina through her clothes and expression, Janice is still under Regina's power, right? She has no sense of self outside of Regina. This goes back to that non-age thing. Yes, it looks like Janice is a rebel, but she's only a rebel in that she's Regina's inverse, right? Mm. At the end of the movie, we see that Janice is still wearing the same clothes she was suggesting that she's happy the way she is, and that could very well be true. Um, But Janice's meanness is never really addressed by the film. It seems to be set up that way, but once she becomes the revolutionary hero, which is itself not exactly a kind action, right? Um, She doesn't apologize. She doesn't make amends. She doesn't do anything. Katie is left bearing the blame while Janice gets to be the hero. It does kind of feel like,
0: I don't know, like the movie almost feels like her meanness is justified.
1: Yeah, um, what Which works? It's not. Yeah, what works about the Mean Girls title is that it's a movie about mean girls mm-hmm. of all kinds, but the movie never quite gets there with Janice. What's kind of interesting about this to me is that Tina Fey has talked multiple times about being a mean girl herself in high school, and it's the point of a Thirty Rock episode where, like, she, I think she goes to her school reunion or whatever, and we see flashbacks. Oh her, yeah, <laughs> and she was like a total nerd, but she was also a huge bitch. Like, she was really mean to people around her who were just trying to be nice because she was focused on her own, like, victim status, being a nerd. Yeah. And so she was actually the bully, even though she didn't look like what you would expect from a vo- from a bully. It's very, uh, hurt them before they can hurt me. Yeah. Being a mean girl isn't something only traditionally pretty and popular girls do. Anybody can be a mean girl. This movie could have gone further to demonstrate that, and the fact that it doesn't is one of the biggest missed opportunities for me. I uh, think we see the conclusion of that in that episode of 30 Rock, where I'm like, <laughs> okay, you got it now. A really terrible stereotype is that
0: fat women are mean. Yeah. Cuz they got to hurt before they can be hurt. Mhm. It's terrible.
1: It is terrible.
0: And for people like I've never met a nice fat girl.
1: You probably don't talk to many. <laughs> Um, so this next, um, the next video, next video I'm going to talk about is How to Adapt Mean Girls, which is by James Woodall. Um, this is a great video across the board about adaptation, and it sheds a lot of light on how much of this movie was taken directly from Queen, Beans and, Queen Bees and Wannabes, and also that Wiseman has not been paid her portion, 5% of the profits from the film's success, because Paramount claims the film has not been profitable. That's pretty wild. I saw that. I'm pretty wild. Yeah. Um, but what I really want to discuss from this video is the idea of Janice as queer-coded. Um, all cites her dress name, frequent rebuffing of male advances, and being the victim of homophobic slurs as evidence. And I would also add that she, Janice, only seems to interact with Damien, who is gay, as evidence as well. Especially during this time period, there were straight women who were obsessed with hanging out with gay men, but Janice isn't giving me that vibe.
0: I have um, a question.
1: Do you... I know we'll get a little more, but um, do you
0: think that this is a situation of... Death of the author, I guess you could say. Of uh, did Tina Fey put this in there
1: specifically? It talks about this in the video. So the the guy who created the video is a gay man, and mm-hmm. he talks about the fact that like there's a lot of reasons why Janice e- why Janice could be straight, and one of them is just that it's likely based on her other work that Tina Fey most related to Janice, and because Tina okay. Fey is straight, she wrote Tina Fey as, or she okay. wrote Janice is straight. Okay. Um, there's also, and we'll get into other some other reasons why she might be straight, but um, yeah. I, I don't know. So yeah, there there are like there was especially during this time period this like weird phenomenon of straight women only wanting to hang out with gay men. Um but Janice isn't giving me that vibe. And queer folks tend to flock together even if they're not out yet. Like even if you don't know if there's like a I don't you know. know. I don't know how we know, but we know. We always <laughs> flock together. Um, Woodall also adds that the musical strongly suggests that Janice is in fact a lesbian. Um But Woodall, who is a gay man, takes an interesting approach to this. He's not arguing that Janice should be straight, but he suggests that Janice being straight, despite being queer coded, has its basis in queen bees and wannabes and on Wiseman's research. So this is a quote from, from the video. Uh, Wiseman talks about how homophobia is systemic in the cultural of girl world. Quoting Wiseman, whether a girl is or isn't gay is less important than if and when homophobia is used as a weapon against a girl to put her down and isolate her. It's a little more evocative of how genuine homophobia works if, instead of making fun of Janice for being gay, Regina is conferring gayness upon Janice as a means of exerting power over her. At a time when Regina was in the process of constructing her own image, one that would become reflective of the ideal as determined by the act like a woman box, she pushed Janice outside the box as a form of control and used her influence to convince others to do the same. So the point here is to a bully, it doesn't matter if there's any evidence of a person's queerness. I got called a dyke for no, there was no, like this person did not know that I was bisexual, the person who called me a dyke. And and me being bisexual was completely irrelevant to the argument being had in which I was called this name. But this person was attempting to confer queerness upon me mm-hmm. in order to ostracize me it had nothing to do It had nothing to do with my actual sexuality. It was about making me an outsider um, So again to a bully, it doesn't matter if there's any evidence of a person's queerness. conferring queer status upon them through accusations is enough, especially in this time. Yeah the, yeah, I actually wonder how different this would be today know that honestly it's kind it, of flip-flop to now if you're gay you're automatically more moral than everybody yeah else. it'd probably be like well i hear you're homophobic yeah yeah uh the effect is the same if you're accused of not fitting the norms by someone with more power than you especially if the accusation can't be disproven it's a lot harder to disprove same gender attracted attraction than it is to prove it Um, you are pushed out of the acceptability box. So Woodall suggests that the effects of Regina's bullying would be the same whether or not Janice is actually gay. He then asks why, if that's true, Janice wouldn't just be gay yet then. Like, if the effects are the same, why not just have Janice be gay? One possible explanation is that Faye herself straight was attempting to show how everybody's images are constructed and that how she dresses is more about Regina, as we discussed earlier. Than it is about Janice, right? But as he points out, if that's the case, she should have grown in some way as the other characters do, which yeah. is why Janice feels like a loose narrative thread to me. It does. Maybe Janice became alternative because of Regina and found she liked it. But in this movie, literally titled Mean Girls, there's no conversation about Janice's own meanness. And in my opinion, that's a big missed opportunity.
0: I agree. And I think that is... It- I think that it might stem from like, when you look back onto high school years, people often don't look at po- popular people as good people. Mm-hmm. They look at them as bad people. So if Janice were to change, her, even though she was mean and all this stuff, she wasn't necessarily popular in the same sense. If she were to change that, that would take away her legitimacy as like the good person in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this is a weird, weird. <laughs> way of explaining this but i see this a lot with taylor swift Uh um, she was popular in high school and and her fans some of her fans will bend over backwards and be like no she was an outcast especially with the music that she's written and like it's clear like she's written this music to make money um but like there's this idea of if you are popular oh no i can't like you now because you were the bad person a
1: lot of one of the videos talks about this too the idea that going through bullying makes you a better person yeah or it makes you more powerful later in life it doesn't it wreaks havoc, havoc upon your self esteem. Yeah, like th- it's not good for you. And I think part of that, it, not mm-hmm. with women, but specifically with
0: men, is oh, when it when the Silicon Valley rush happened and all the, those all these nerds, male nerds, became very like rich it was like oh you were bullied in in high school well look at what you can do now you can make all this money Mm -hmm. so i think it's kind of similar to that of like like you're saying like if you were bullied you're prepared for the world
1: yeah which is like in dance moms (laughs) um So that's a big chunk of the part on meanness. But there's also a second element to this, which is the meanness of the movie itself. Um, The movie came out in 2004 um, when especially use of the R slur was much more prevalent. So while it's jarring and certainly not good, I don't want to lean too much on that aspect in particular because it is unfortunately reflective of the time period in which it was created and in which it's set. It's, it wasn't
0: used in a very specific way.
1: Yeah, it is still bigotry, but it is bigoted in a way that was n- very normal at the time. So like when we look at it from a 2023 20, lens, we're like, "What the fuck?" But well, looking at it from a 2004 lens, it was like, "Yeah, that's how we talk." It's not, not saying Not everybody, yeah. but
0: it's not saying anything by that person using that word necessarily
1: it's yeah it's mean but it's mean in a normal way yeah it's unfortunate. unfortunate it's an unfortunate truth of the time period it's not as interesting to talk about that now yeah because that's just like looking back on that's it. unfortunately how we spoke at the time
0: if everybody- they were everybody say it in a, in a in a more modern version then there would
1: probably be more to dissect there yeah Um, it's still bigotry, but it is bigoted in a way that was normal at the time. There are some elements of what I'm going to talk about next that could probably also be considered normalized. But the use of that slur in particular reads to me as an accurate portrayal of how many people spoke in 2004. Again, that does not excuse it. It's just accurate and less like a flashing red sign um what does feel like a red flashing sign is the treatment of people of color particularly black people and the concept of africa as a whole and then also the treatment of asian people in this movie asian people in particular is a recurring theme in tina faye's work but so is the treatment of black people it's all very weird um so we could run through everything this movie does wrong with regard to people of color but this podcast isn't really meant to be a list of grievances and is more an analysis of how this happens and why and what we do about it there, Surprise. Are, there are some glaring issues, the use of the N-word by one character in translation who actually wasn't using that word at all. For example, they tra- she said, really, come on, please. In, I think it's Vietnamese. Don't quote me on that. And they translated it to the N-word. It's completely incorrect. Um, and there's also some more, more insidious things. So this is a quote from Pictures of Girlhood, Modern Female Adolescence on Film by Sarah Henches says um the problem with this plot is the way in which katie's whiteness is centered as the norm even as and even as africa itself when she is repeatedly called africa by kevin g the east asian math nerd and dj who claims he only dates women of color throughout the film but the most problematic aspect of this film is the way in which africa is evoked throughout this film to show both katie's social ineptitude as well as her violent and primitive quote-unquote comedic fantasies. For example, when Katie imagines the teens around the water fountain in the mall as a primitive bunch of animals, we see them acting out these typical stereotypes of people and animals in Africa. Further, as is typical of first world invocations of Africa, Africa, quote unquote, is always referred to in the general continental sense, increasing its exoticism quote-unquote Africa only becomes a specific place when Katie's mother is referring to her tribal fertility vase from a specific tribe. But stereotypes of quote-unquote Africa are used throughout the film such as when Regina tells Aaron, the boy Katie has a crush on, that she's obsessed with him and kept a tissue he used saying she was going to do some Mm -hmm. kind of African voodoo on it to get him to like her. So... As we briefly discussed earlier, this movie uses Africa as a place so radically different from America that Katie is totally unprepared for an American high school, which may very well be the case. If you grow up in Africa, you may have a completely different idea of what adolescence is and looks like than a kid who grows up in an American high school, right? Um, But Africa is not a monolith. There are many countries and cultures within Africa, and many of those cultures operate similarly to our own, which in many cases is the result of colonialism. Saying Katie is from quote unquote Africa could imply that she's from a variety of places, as in her family moved frequently in their research. So, like, if she's from Africa, that means that she, that could mean that she grew up in South Africa, and she grew up in Kenya, and she grew up in the Congo, and she grew up in Egypt. Like, when Africa could mean all of these places. Or it's a reflection of the common issue in Western society that "quote unquote" Africa is its own distinct, homogenous entity, usually based on racist assumptions.
0: Yeah, in Gilmore Girls, there's a scene where Rory is gonna go. She's like, "Gonna go travel," and she has a, she has a pamphlet to travel to yeah. Africa, but it just says Africa. Yeah, <laughs> Africa. It's a going. huge fucking. Co- it's a huge fucking continent.
1: I think it's also weird that and says a lot about what's happening that Katie doesn't like correct. <laughs> No, to herself, she's also from Africa. Africa. I don't think the movie has any idea that Africa is not a country
0: um which is so interesting because there's a lot of conversations being had right now about like people specifically from europe talking about america and the way that americans talk about where they're from and saying they're from like well i'm from america and then them being like well like that's like me saying i'm from europe Mm -hmm. but being like well if i told you i was from south carolina
1: would you know that (laughs) where that is yeah um now, I'm not saying here that Tina Fey sat down and thought, I'm going to write something so racist. No. Um, So much as I think she probably sat down and wrote for an audience like herself, one that sees Africa as something far off and distant and strange. Africa is shorthand for not here, which lends itself well to jokes like, if you're from Africa, why are you white? That joke is funny. Like, I think that part's funny. It is. <laughs> and oh my God, Karen, you can't just ask people why they're white. It shows the ignorance of white yeah, people. That's the thing, is it's showing their ignorance. The issue here is that all this Africa stuff is tied up in an association with the jungle and behaving like animals, which actually is super racist. Like, that is super, super racist. And as a couple of articles I'll link to in the show notes point out, the fact that there's a table of unfriendly black hotties (laughs) who reject Katie because she greets them in Swahili and they don't know what she's saying is also really telling. Like, Katie, they're American just because they're black doesn't mean they're from Africa and even so there are at least 75 languages in Africa spoken by more than a million people even if you assume that they are actually all from Africa which is a ridiculous assumption and you have no basis for it why would you assume that they speak Swahili rather than greeting them in English the language most commonly spoken in America it's almost as if she didn't grow up in Africa right (laughs) like it's nonsense Um, and then the narrative suggests that we should feel sorry for Katie and we have it confirmed and therefore confirms that the black hotties are indeed unfriendly when in fact katie was just being ignorant and like racist yeah absolutely um, so i'm gonna put a link in the show notes to unfetching the white hegemonic narrative and mean girls by uh nujat khan i apologize if i said that wrong um but that's a really good article about the the different ways that this manifests in the movie It's says that this outline got really long um, so You can look there for more information. Despite there not being a lot of uh, academic research. No, but God, the take had a (laughs) hundred videos. So this is, uh, I want to talk briefly about Tina Fey's racial humor, which is a video by T1J on YouTube. Um, I can't really summarize this video or even quote it effectively. I tried. It's a really, really excellent video that you should watch all of. Um, T1J discusses how race consistently appears in Tina Fey's work and how sometimes it's very funny and incisive and other times it's just racist. Um, It's a really nuanced video and way of approaching her work that is both critical and appreciative. Um, One of the examples that was given that Mary and I talked very briefly about that I'm going to cut out (laughs) is about um, in uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, you have Jane Krakowski's character who is a... Jane Krakowski is white Um, the character is a Native American woman who decided it would be easier to live as a white woman so she leaves her Native American life behind and acts like a white woman and like dresses like a white woman and tells everybody she's a white woman for an easier life that joke is funny when it's pointing to the ignorance like the ignorance of everybody around her The problem is Jane Krakowski's still a white woman, right? There's a way to do this joke that's actually funny. It's not the way that it was done. And that is kind of, that's kind of Tina Fey's humor, right? (laughs) Like, there's a lot of times where I'm like, oh, that's almost really funny. You're almost there. That's almost really funny. Um... And in a true miracle, the comments on this video are also really, really great. Um, I really liked one from M. Ruby that discusses how much of Faye's race-based humor lampoons her own perspective as an upper-class liberal white woman, Mm -hmm. which you could argue is what's happening in that part when Katie says jumbo to the quote-unquote unfriendly black hotties. I don't think that is what's happening based on our sympathies. Largely being with Katie in that scene, but you can almost see how that joke would take shape with the. You're with that almost context. there. Like, it's almost really funny to point toward how whiteness is so pervasive, and like that you would assume. That you know best for a group of black people who grew up in America. That's almost really I, funny. I think if Mean Girls was made now, that would be
0: the yes. mo- that would be how yeah. it's modernized.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. It's it's like Tina Fey consistently is approaching things from as this person wrote in the comments. M. Ruby wrote that she's approaching things as an upper class liberal white woman, and a lot of upper class liberal white women feel Um, guilt about their status as white women. So they like like to draw attention to it as sort of this like self-effacing, like, oh, we're so awful, but they don't always succeed at it because they're still upper class women. (laughs) I watched Um,
0: liberal white women. This is not prove your point, but I watched this clip the other day of I think I can't remember what they were. It was some game show like Survivor or something, something like that, where there was um, a black woman from America. And then another woman, um, I think she lived in Africa. She was white woman, but she had been to America a lot. And the black woman was trying to explain to her like, where she lived. And then she was really rude to her. I was like, you don't have to explain to me, like, I'm stupid. Uh, I know where America is, despite me living in Africa. And she's like, you could even say I'm more African-American than you. Oh, my God. That's <laughs>
1: wild.
0: The girl's like, uh, what?
1: <laughs> um. Anyway, watch the video. The point of my including it is that this is part of a track record with Tina Fey, and some of it is good and some of it is bad. And when we're aware of the pattern that Faye has in her work, we're more ready to be aware of it and not swallow it uncritically. The issue I have with Tina
0: Fey, she just doubles down.
1: Yeah. That's the issue I have. She doubles down. Well, she said, and he talks about this in the video. He says like, after there was backlash to one of the storylines on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, she said, I'm just not explaining jokes anymore. Yeah. Which like, and like he says, that's fair. You shouldn't have to explain a good joke. The problem is not all of her jokes are good. I think she also defended somebody else else oh she probably did all of these people i can't remember who it was though. are part
0: of like insular groups and they all defend one another like i don't I, think it was dave chappelle but i'm gonna look i can't remember who i think it was who she was with on 30 rock the one guy who plays her boss Baldwin. Baldwin. i think she was defending him could be.
1: um so yeah there's a lot of bigotry baked into this movie that is also mean like it is it is a different form of meanness. And because it is baked into the storyline of the movie, it doesn't get talked about in the same way that the the direct meanness of Regina and Katie and Janice do. So the last thing I want to talk about, which is actually the second thing, is girls. Um, truth be told, we've already talked a lot about girls, uh, but girls deserve their own section, too. Um this is a quote from We're not sexist. We're not sexist. Uh, this is a quote from Stop Trying to Make Fetch Happen: The Disempowerment of Women's Voices in the film Mean Girls, which is by Anna Kaplan. Can,
0: who- can I take a second to I was Googling this and the people always ask,
1: first option
0: is was Tina Fey the first woman to wear glasses on TV? Okay. No, Daria. N- now we must move on.
1: Um so Kaplan writes, uh, I argue, for, I argue further that Mean Girls does something rare in American film history. It offers to young women a female rebel as a dynamic, complicated counterpart to America's beloved rebel male. Nevertheless, the female rebel takes the form of Mean Girl. While Mean Girl characters appear to act in a feminist manner through their ability to wield power freely, they often do so with the intention of either impressing men or tearing other women down. Faye thus presents these young women as anti-feminist and demonstrates discordant in-group fighting that the film looks at with disgust rather than admiration. Therefore, while the rebel male is revered, the rebel female is denigrated. So I don't think the movie is as clearly anti-feminist as this. I think it's trying to take a nuanced approach to how girls harm one another to gain power. I agree. Um, But within the broader context of teen girl films, it does make a lot of sense. Many movies about girls are transforming are about transforming into the correct kind of woman or about the sweet, nice girl triumphing over the mean one. Being less emotional. Yeah. They reinforce patriarchal ideals of what womanhood is. There are always exceptions, but generally speaking, movies that feature mean girls have the mean girl vanquished in the end.
0: When really, like, this, these mean girls are just experiencing teenage. Like, Mm. these these, these are still teenagers. They're just teenagers. They're not – it's not because they're girls.
1: They're teenagers. With like two brain cells at this point. Um, Mean Girls, the movie, does do that, but it also explores the many ways that girls can be cruel to one another. Every one of the main characters is mean to some degree, even Karen, who is probably the least mean of the group, and the movie emphasizes how that meanness isn't just about competing for a man's attention. Aaron is only there to make Regina look good, and none of the other girls fight over men, right? Like... Gretchen has her own interest in Jason. They don't fight with each other. I guess she doesn't. Gretchen doesn't fight with the other
0: girls that what's his name is seeing as well.
1: No, she actually doesn't. She doesn't. She has Regina. Regina Regina goes after him and is like, you cannot do this. Well, I guess she does go after her. She goes after her, but but Gretchen doesn't. Gretchen does not. Uh, It's. It, all of this meanness is just about each other so yes i agree with kaplan that these movies tend to paint the mean as a type of rebel and they largely denigrate that girl but i also think that mean girls the movie is about exploring the source and consequences of that meanness not just replicating the systems of power that pressure women to behave a certain way or face a so
0: do you think this is a this is a tina fey being very heavily influenced by second wave feminism then
1: i think that i think that Yeah, I think that's part of it. I also think that she's influenced by third wave feminism because that would have been coming to prominence in the 90s. Because I I don't think Tina Fey would make an anti-feminist film. No, I don't either. I think that Tina Fey, I don't know for sure, but I feel like Tina Fey would absolutely identify herself as a feminist. But her idea of feminism is different from my idea of feminism Mm -hmm. because in part we're from different generations and because she's a comedian and comedians like... And you don't like stand-up comedy. I don't like stand-up comedy. (laughs) I I don't. But (laughs) comedians in particular are approaching things differently than I would approach them. And that's why you kind of have that attitude of we can joke about anything That I disagree with, but I also don't like. You can joke about anything, of course you can. But you're not, you're not like, you're not immune immune to criticism because you joke about everything, right? And there are ways to tell all kinds of jokes that can actually be successful and funny and not, you know, cruel. But that's not always what's happening, right? Um, So this is a quote from the Mean Girl trope explained by the Take Uh, in the early '90s. uh, Please excuse my (laughs) pronunciation. Kaj Bjorkvist's research shed new light on female aggression. According to Bjorkvist, girls can better understand how other girls feel so they know better how to harm them. In 1995, Nikki R. Crick and Jennifer R. Grote-Peter coined the term relational aggression to describe how, while boys tend to be overly aggressive through physical violence or threats, girls are more likely to express aggression by weaponizing relationships." So while this means what this means is that bullying or aggression among girls tends to look like things like spreading rumors, lying, and manipulation as opposed to physical aggression. The three-way call attack in Mean Girls for example, or the entire existence of the burn book, but especially the way that Regina uses the burn book to make Katie look bad. Like yes, the gathering of of the burn book fits into this idea of relational aggression, but even more so the idea of putting her own picture in the in the burn book and making it look like Katie did it. That is pure relational aggression.
0: It almost feels like it was like a setup to. If you ever, I mm-hmm. can,
1: yeah. There's a lot of reasons why that this research may be true, including just the way that patriarchy encourages us to behave. Outright aggression is like quote unquote masculine and therefore discouraged. But at the same time, rumors are quote unquote catty and weak in a way that makes them also worthy of disgust. In a way that physical fighting is not. You simply can't win if you're a woman with anger. Either either you're acting you're acting unfeminine. Or you're being catty, and both are terrible, so you should just sit there and be quiet. Um, there's a, a really good
0: TikTok of like this guy being like, this is what it's like to be a woman. And it was the beginning of the Fall Out Boy song, but it was just like... Um we're going down, but it was just the beginning over, and it never got to the part where you can actually sing, and just like this, it was so frustrating, and just made anger-inducing, it was horrible.
1: Um, I think you would be hard-pressed to find someone who hasn't been the victim and the perpetrator of this kind of bullying. The scene where Miss Norbury has them all basically admit to it is straight out of Wiseman's workshops, and also really relatable. Like, yeah, of course someone has hurt me by talking behind my back, and I've hurt others by talking behind their backs, right? Like... We've all fucking done it. It's human nature. Uh, None of us are perfect. We're all angry and we all need a healthy outlet that isn't sabotaging one another for whatever small bit of power we can get our own hands on. This is a bit of an aside, but Rachel McAdams has talked about how the director of Mean Girls told her to listen to Courtney Love's music as inspiration for the Mm. role, which makes so much sense to me. Uh, Celebrity skin alone is full of images of femininity and rage that come direct from Love's experience in the spotlight. Um, it's not just rage. It's specifically feminine rage. And I think there's a lot of that baked into mean girls as a whole. They're angry, but they're also angry in a specific way because society pushes them toward ideals of femininity that they don't necessarily identify with. Yeah. So this next this next quote is a two parter. The first part is from a video, How Mean Girls Demonizes Hyper femininity, which is by Film Fatales. Not the take. Not the take. And the second one is from the comments. So the part from the video is this preoccupation with appearance is labeled as vanity, but we have to wonder why their lip gloss is a marker of shallowness while Janice's eyeliner shows her to be unique and artsy. And then in the comments from Leela Hassan, it's not about femininity versus masculinity. It's about girls not being allowed to express their emotions of anger slash powerlessness slash rage in a healthy way when adhering to those rules. So I agree with the commenter on this one and that I think the movie is more interested in how pressure to be a specific type of feminine results in rage with no outlet. Um, But given that Janice never has to change despite the fact that she also manipulates Katie, I do agree that there is a demonization of stereotypical femininity at work. Yes. Katie's transformation into plastic is emphasized by shots of her staring at herself in mirrors, touching her face, applying lip gloss. It could be that it's meant to show off how self, self-obsessed self she's become, which is true. She has become self-obsessed. But at the same time, someone can be into how they look and not like evil, right? There's or, a like, middle ground. Self-obsessed doesn't mean beauty. Yeah, of course. Um, as Film Foy- Fatales points out in their video, lip gloss seems to be bad by the movie's terms while eyeliner is maybe not good, but evocative I- of identity in a way that lip gloss is not. Of course, makeup has a variety of purposes and communicates a number of things depending on how it's used and by whom, but in playing with normative versus alternative, with the alternative character being a bully as well, but a bully who sees no repercussions for her actions, it does seem to lean on the side of demonizing hyperfemininity, which honestly tracks for the time period, right? That yeah. makes sense to me. I feel like we were still deep in the not like other girls zone oh, where yes. the not like other girls were the heroes. Now we've got the backlash to the backlash where we all feel good about shit talking pick me, pick me girls as yeah. if that isn't just another form of misogyny? <laughs> um, sorry, it is. I'm sorry, but the constant videos making fun of pick me girls are not inherently better than pick me girls themselves. Unless you're Pearl. She's terrible. I don't know. I don't know anything about that She's a bad person. Um, And I think that's precisely what's going on here in Mean Girls. Instead of asking why girls act this way and spotlighting why they might act this way, we focus on the girls. Or as Film film Fatales puts it in the video, I think in Tina Fey's critique of girl world, she focuses too much on the girl and not enough on the world, i.e. the society that rewards the behavior of girls like Regina George. Like, both can be true, right? Regina can be terrible individually and the world can make her terrible. After all, there are plenty of other girls at the school who aren't bullying people to the degree that Regina is. Some people are just assholes, right? It's true. Some people are assholes. We all got them. With with everything that we discussed about Regina in our first section, I think it's possible to be empathetic toward Regina as someone without strong role models, scrabbling for power and safety in a world that hates her, and to be aware of the fact that she's awful, right? Mm -hmm. Both of those things could be true. It's fiction. It's a bit indulgent. I like to see a woman be awful, personally. Yeah. Um, We all know you do. We all know this. Um, Well, I think that there are ways that you could make this a better movie by more clearly discussing the role of society, adding more reasons for Regina to be such a gender-based bully and that kind of thing. I also think Regina just being awful is enough, right? Like... I think that that's sufficient. But as Film Fatale says, I do think there's an element of maybe not victim blaming going on, but a short-sightedness about where Regina's behavior comes from, which is less about Regina and more about the treatment of Janice. Janice is subjected to those same forces and she's on par in cruelty with Regina, but she doesn't change over the course of the film. If she did, or if she apologized and acknowledged how much she was subject to the same forces as Regina, I think the movie would be a lot stronger. I agree. I 100%
0: agree. I, like, I think that it, Janice is such a missed opportunity of understanding really what you're trying to say.
1: Yeah, that's the thing is, and, and it's you just those, almost missed the mark. It's one of those things where when you look at that one episode of 30 Rock and you consider, like, the fact that in interviews, I think Tina Fey talked about herself being a mean girl in high school, but the kind of mean girl that Janice was. Um, I It's one of those things where I'm like, did you not quite get it or was this a like studio thing? I think she didn't quite get it. I don't know because she did it so well in 30 Rock, but that's some distance removed, right? That's maybe I don't know how long that episode of 30 Rock came out after. Because like that's literally like that that episode of 30 Rock is about how Tina Fey was a mean girl. I think there's a lot to, like, think about this,
0: because I'd have to really think about, like, much more if Tina Fey really got it. I mean, we can never know. We can never know. But I feel like Janice wasn't taken down a peg like Regina was. Yeah, it's like... it. She like, had already been taken down that peg, so she already got to that spot. It's like they set up...
1: For a sweet slam dunk and they passed the ball and then they just dribbled down to the other side of the court. Like this,
0: what happened? It's why if if Janice was actually a lesbian, it would
1: have been better. Then they would have had to explore that. Like if I guess, yeah. Just if if Janice was just a like, if Janice was just a lesbian, I don't think it would have fixed the movie.
0: Well, I think would
1: I always thought she was until the end. And I was <laughs> like, what happened? It, it is kind of a letdown. Although the guy who plays Kevin G is actually great. That's true. He has a the He is like a professional calligrapher and does all of this (laughs) incredible art. Um, Highly recommend watching his YouTube videos. Oh, my gosh. Top tier content. He's just very funny, too. Um, So to really hammer that idea home, uh, one last quote here from How to Adapt Mean Girls by James Woodall. Um, Or I guess it's not a quote. Uh, In this video, he brings up the extremely valid point that the movie does absolutely nothing to discuss male violence. Um, The party chapter in the book, uh, in the book, Queen Beans and Wannabes... I keep saying queen beans, and I'm sorry. Queen beans. <laughs> queen bees and wannabees. Uh, the party chapter in the book discusses how parties can be a place where sexual assault takes place, in part because of the pressures of girl world. But all the men and mean girls are largely benign. They might be rude, they might be sexist, but they're not threatening.
0: Yeah. Um, um, when all the girls are fighting, there's the scene with the guy who's like, Mom, come pick you yeah. up. There is, and
1: and like I think, really good evidence of this is that the the coach is sleeping with a student, and yeah. it's treated like a haha joke. Yeah, um, and that's really frustrating um, because that's a that's abuse, but it's not treated that way by the film. And while I don't think this movie would necessarily be improved by being really dark or graphic about the consequences of appealing to male attention, that's reserved for Heather's. Um, but the fact that they're There really don't seem to be any threats is really limiting, I think, to the conversation. Especially when there's parties. Yeah. You have skeevy guys like Jason or whatever his name is. I can't remember. Um, The one that's dating Gretchen. Yeah. Um, The is your muffin buttered guy. Um, But he doesn't seem to be a threat. Like he's a creepo, but he's not like.
0: He just likes the
1: lady. He's not a threat. Um, He just wants
0: to butter your muffin. Yeah. He's at least asking consent. <laughs> He's at least asking.
1: <laughs> Would you like me to assign someone? Um I think if we're gonna talk about the pressures of teen girlhood, it's always worth noting the fact that men also play a role in this. They they touch on it with Miss Norberry saying something along the lines of if you call each other sluts and whores, it just makes it okay for you guys to call you sluts and whores. And like, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't actually make it okay. That's just making <clears throat> women be like, Well, you brought this on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> They shouldn't be calling each other names, sure. We shouldn't be calling each other sluts and whores. It allows it allows other people to, people to think it's okay yeah, to say it. But the girls doing that to one another does not absolve the boys of responsibility for calling them sluts and whores. We are not responsible for our own objectification, right? Anyway, this movie is good at a lot of things, but it could also go harder. And that's the thesis of this podcast. It could go harder. It could go harder. It didn't age well, unless you. But but it stills good, and
0: it could go harder.
1: Yeah, there's there's themes of this movie that age really well, and there's there's parts of this movie that age really really poorly, especially as we grow beyond it. Yeah. Um,
0: I asked Missy. I th- I asked
1: um the other day. I was like, do you think when it comes to like
0: problematic or PC, do you think that Mean Girls is more problematic or Heather's? I said I said Mean Girls than as opposed to Heather's. Yeah, I agreed.
1: Like emphatically i think mean girl because the thing and I, I said this when we were discussing it um in the same way that janice when chewing katie out says at least regina and i know we're mean uh heathers knows it's mean yeah i don't know that mean girls
0: i also mean. just think when it comes down to like counting out the things that didn't age well if we had a tally list there's more in mean girls
1: Hmm. That might be true, but the thing, no, people get literally murdered. In
0: no, but I'm I'm saying I'm saying if we count out the literal things, not necessarily the how bad the thing is. Uh-huh. If we count them out, there are more in Mean Girls. It's more for me, it's more
1: about intent. Mean Girls, Mean Girls is a comedy film trying to show um, how girls are mean. Yes. Heather's is a dark satire. Yes, talking about how adults don't give a shit about teenagers. We have a whole episode on that. You can go listen to that one. Heather's
0: is a great movie. Um, A perfect movie,
1: even. Yeah, I love that movie. Do you have anything else to say about Mean Girls? No, I think one thing that we didn't touch on that... Is um, how hot Lizzie Kaplan is. Not necessarily in this movie in particular, but just, like, in general. I was going to say the fat phobia.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Also part of the bigotry. One of the things that I didn't notice uh, before and I noticed watching it this time was that as... um, Regina gains weight, which she doesn't gain that much. She gets um, messier, and she doesn't care about her looks as much,
1: and I think that was shitty. Mm-hmm. No, I think that fits right into the bigotry section. Yeah. Like, this movie is also mean. Yeah. It's it's not a nice movie. But at least Heathers knows it's mean.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Um,
1: like, yeah. Like, there's there's gestures in this movie toward, like, having... Katie went the like one of the first people after Janice and um Regina after she gives the crown to um Janice and Regina she gives it to I think her name is Beth yes who's like a bigger girl and she's like really sweet to her and like that's nice but also the pervasive attitude in the movie is one of like disgust toward fat people yes um And like, again, not to continuously compare to Heathers, Heathers has this as well, but you're also meant to, like, you're meant to be upset at Heathers, that the Heathers calling Martha, Martha Dump Truck, right? Yes. Like, you're meant to be like, oh, that's mean. Um, Whereas I'm not always sure that's true in Mean Girls. I agree. Um, Yeah. So there's lots, there's lots happening and a surprising amount, uh, a surprising lack of academic literature on Mean Girls. Interesting. Do you have anything else to say? Nope. Um, So that's it for this episode. You can find us online at FakeyGirlsCast.com, which has all of our previous episodes. If you like this one, um, consider the Heather's episode and then also the Practical Magic one, just for the discussion of... um, What's it? Waves of Feminism. Um, Thank you to Emily June for helping out with our transcripts. If you like this, consider backing us on Patreon. A small donation per month goes a long way toward... um, Making me happy. And that's what's important It's making me happy. Sure. Um, next time we're going to be talking about letter candy. Talk about no academic scholarship. That's I'm going to have so fucking fun with this one.
0: Interesting to me. I, I
1: looked. Couldn't Far find a and damn wide. thing. Um, and after that, um, the amber spyglass. Which we'll probably have a lot. Which we'll have a shit ton. <laughs> I already have a bunch of sources saved for that one from previous episodes. Um, so we'll be covering season 3 of His Dark Materials and the Amber Spyglass. Can't wait
0: to finish the series. Oh, I'm so
1: excited. I'm so excited to reread Amber Spyglass. Um, and that's it. Alright,
0: catch on the flip side, bitch.